Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Stepping Off Now podcast. I'm Kendra. Before I get into it today, I would just like to invite you to tell someone else about my podcast. Anyone you think may be interested in the subject matters that I cover, the way that I cover them, anyone you think may need to hear what I have to say. And thank you so much for doing that. Today, I want to talk about this concept of balance that we have, balance in life. We should be seeking balance and why I think that it may actually be somewhat insidiously harmful. I don't want to totally trash the idea of balance, but I was talking about this recently with a friend of mine, and I realized that I don't actually seek balance in my life. Not really. I do something else that I think works much better for me. And that's what I want to share with you today. This idea that we should be seeking balance in our lives really is, I think, at its core about trying to fit together like puzzle pieces all of the responsibilities we have with the things we want to do that bring us joy. And sometimes there's a crossover between those two things, right? But not always. And there's this idea that when we have the right balance in our lives, we'll somehow magically be able to do all of the things and still have time for ourselves and our stuff, right? So work-life balance is a great example of this. There's a lot of talk these days about work-life balance and how workplaces can be more understanding of people's needs and, and helping to foster that in their workers' lives, like supporting them in finding that work-life balance. The problem that I think is inherent in the way that we conceptualize balance is that we see it as a way of fitting all the things in, in the perfect way. Kind of like, (laughs) this reminds me of how when we used to go on our road trips when I was a kid, there's a science to packing the car, right? To packing the trunk. It's like, really, it is like a three-dimensional puzzle. and, And my father really enjoyed doing this, finding the perfect way to fit all of the suitcases and bags into the trunk. That's kind of like what we're trying to do. But the problem with that, obviously, is that you may find the perfect fit for that trunk, but if you've overloaded it with weight, the back of the car is going to drag. And I think that's what ends up happening a lot when we try to seek balance in our lives, is that what we're really looking for is a kind of equilibrium, a kind of circumstance in which we are able to relax into our lives and really enjoy our lives and we don't find our responsibilities too onerous. We have enough leisure time to recover from the stresses of work or whatever it is so that we can then go back and with renewed energy apply ourselves again. I don't think that the balance we seek will be found doing things this way. I think that what ends up happening is we just shuffle things around on our already overloaded plates, hoping that maybe this combination, this time is going to work to help us feel better about our lives, to give us that sense that we're living with purpose, that the things we do on on a day-to-day basis really matter, that they fulfill us, that we have enough time and space and, and therefore energy to actually do the things that bring us joy. And the problem with having an overloaded plate is that 
you just don't have enough energy for all of that stuff. So your responsibilities that you don't particularly enjoy doing that are draining are extra draining because you're going into them with already depleted energy. And then trying to enjoy your leisure time also <laughs> becomes something that is draining because you've, you're fitting it in rather than joyfully going to the table. You know, you're, you're just fitting it in with everything else. Often we approach balance as if it were like a scale. Picture one of those double-sided scales, you know, the kind I'm talking about, which have like the two plates hanging on either side. And you keep adding weights to one side so that it can balance out, right? That's often how we approach seeking balance in our lives. But you could just as easily remove stuff from one side or the other. And that's my preferred method. The way that I have approached finding balance in my life is by tossing the idea of balance out the window. This idea that we can somehow make our lives more palatable and make all of those things that are actually stressing us out, draining us, decreasing our joy by simply adding more stuff that is joyful or is supposed to counteract that. It's usually a huge failure because even the things that we think we should be adding in for balance in life are often things that we're kind of making ourselves do, like getting ourselves to the gym. Is this something that brings us joy? Or is this just another thing that we're trying to do because we think we should because that's what we do when we want to be, quote, healthy? Studies have shown that if you're making yourself do the exercise, it's actually decreasing your health because you don't like doing it. And so whatever health gains you're getting physically are being nullified by the mental health losses. I mean, of course, many people love going to the gym, but I'm one of those people who just, I'm just not like an outward oriented physical type like that. And so anything I do out in the world is going to pretty much exhaust me. And it's very difficult for me to find physical activities that actually do enhance the quality of my life. And for many years, I did try the gym. And, you know, for short periods of time, it kind of sort of was okay. But ultimately, that's just not for me. We definitely don't need to do three 40-minute sessions of cardio a week to be healthy. There are so many other physical activities we can engage in, gardening, for example. It really is enough to just go out and take a walk. And my recent foray into exercise is weightlifting, which is perfect for me because you spend most of the time in weightlifting resting and recovering <laughs> from, from doing the physical activity. <laughs> this suits me fine. My point is, is that we have to be really careful when we seek balance because it can very easily become yet another thing that we're trying to do in life. And when we're trying to schedule and fit things in and get all the things done, that's what we spend our brain energy on, not the actual things. We're sort of trying to live life through this thick film. We're not really immersed in life, are we? We're blocked from being immersed in life because we spend all of our time just trying to balance everything. So if you feel like you're sort of living at a distance from your own life, I don't know if you've ever had that feeling, but it it's just like, I don't know, you just sort of feel like you're not really living it, like you're just not connecting somehow. 
This is probably one of the major reasons, if not the major reason, is that your focus is on getting stuff done rather than immersing yourself in the doing of it. This is why I find the way that we conceptualize balance in our culture so problematic and why I personally don't think it's a great way to actually create balance in life. (laughs) So what do I do instead? I had to think about this a little bit because, as you know, I live life very intuitively these days and I don't spend a lot of time in the conceptual realm of what my day-to-day life actually looks like. But when I thought about it, I realized that I live my life based on a kind of hierarchy of priorities. And these priorities aren't, it's not like a set, stable hierarchy. The priorities kind of go up and down and shift their position based on circumstances. And circumstances could be anything from the time of day to my energy levels, which sometimes correspond to the time of day, but oftentimes fluctuate themselves depending on whether or not I had a good sleep or not or all kinds of factors. And so it's sort of like an adaptively managed set of priorities that are then categorized into the absolute must-do stuff and the stuff that I can let fall away and not worry about. That's an important thing. And not worry about if I don't get to that stuff. So The absolute must-do stuff is a combination of responsibilities that are either not joyful responsibilities or actually stuff that I hate doing but have to do. And that that's some of that stuff. But most of the must-do stuff is my own personal joyful creative projects. My creative practice is something that's non-negotiable. That is my biggest major must-do thing in my personal own life. And that's pretty much a daily practice in my life in one way or another. And then the rest of my must-do list, it's pretty small because I really believe that it's important to, as much as possible, eliminate the necessity for a to-do list and to only have like stuff to do that you can comfortably keep in in your head. And that may sound like, absolutely impossible for you to do, but I'm going to give you a little tip on how I do this in a moment. But the rest of my must-do stuff has to do with, of course, taking care of my dependents, which are my 10 animals, (laughs) six of which are chickens. I don't have 10 animals in the house. I always feel like I need to like (laughs) say that. (laughs) I'm not completely insane, just a little bit. And then, of course, I have my quote day job stuff that I do that's not every day. Sometimes I do a lot of it in one day and less in another day, but that that would also be part of the the must do. But again, this this stuff is adaptively managed. So a lot of my responsibilities towards my creatures are of course a daily thing, but it only takes place during certain times of day: the feeding times, the walking times, the uh, cleaning stuff, you know. And so I'm able to sort of adaptively manage all of this stuff on a day-to-day basis, mainly through practice. Now, how do I manage to stay away from to-do lists and only have on my plate the amount of stuff I can comfortably keep in my head? And that's an important aspect of this, comfortably keep in my head. So not making myself crazy, you know, with all of this stuff I'm trying to keep in my head. Just a few major things in any given moment that I have in my head that are the things that I'm going to be doing 
or have to get done or whatever. I use a methodology called, I think it's called chunking, where you can sort of fit together things of a kind. So there may be a lot of little small tasks that are involved in, for example, chores around the house. But you can all put those together under the category of chores, house chores, right? So you don't have to necessarily think of each little tiny thing. By chunking things together that are of a kind, you can basically save on the brain energy that you would use if everything's sort of scattered, if you're trying to visualize like an image of what this might look like. Like you have a bunch of um, like colored Legos. You, you kind of separate the, the blues and the greens over there and then the yellows and reds over here. So that's one method I use in order to kind of keep my brain clear of to-do stuff. But another important aspect of this is, is to leave a lot of stuff undone, to just let this stuff fall off the plate. Not the must-do stuff. I mean, that stuff sometimes falls off the plate, but only in situations of extremity, right? Like if there's an emergency or it gets sick or something like that. But if it's not really a must-do, then... Practice letting stuff fall off the plate and not worrying about it. That's the major part because the problem isn't usually that we're leaving something undone. It's the consequences of that that we fear. And usually the consequences aren't dire. It's more like stuff like we disappointed someone or our house is dirtier than we would like it or whatever. We didn't get to the gym today and that that makes it twice this week, you know, like that's sort of the consequences. This isn't dire stuff, but it's stuff that makes us feel kind of bad. We need to practice letting that stuff go. And the way to do that is to refocus from this misleading concept of balance in life to priorities. So instead of feeling bad that you didn't achieve balance, you can feel good because you did achieve your priorities. And then the rest is just extra. What ends up happening over time when you reconceptualize things in this way is that you start to understand what really matters and what doesn't. And the way you'll know is because you'll feel it. Something that really matters is something that takes you closer to being immersed in your own life, to feeling that connection, to to feeling that sense of purpose, that joy. And this is important because a lot of times we live with a very future-oriented perspective. We do something because we think it's going to maybe pay off or matter sometime far in the future. Exercise programs are a lot like this for many people. I mean, some people get immediate like endorphin feedback from exercise, and that's great. But a lot of people are just trying to keep up with an exercise program because they think it's going to, I don't know, make them live longer or whatever it is. And... It just is another thing that they're doing because they think they should. It's what good people do. It's what smart people do. There are plenty of things in life that we do based on really amorphous reasons and payoffs, possible payoffs, just so we can feel like we're doing the right things and that we're good and smart people. Cut all that shit out of your life. Like, really, just don't. Just don't do that stuff. You can find things like exercise, obviously, I keep going back to this example, but it's, it's of course, impor- important to move your body. But how you do that doesn't really, it doesn't really matter. 
there's all kinds of ways to get out and move your body that are perfectly fine and will keep you healthy and functional well into old age and keep you mentally healthy too. My parents are a perfect example of this. They're nearing 80 years old, never were types to go out and exercise or go to the gym. And they are spry and healthy and 100% functional in their lives. And all they do is walk the dogs and work around the house and garden. So if you're trying to get in your 10,000 steps, and this is just like an onerous task, you're holding yourself to this, this really arbitrary number of steps, just stop. You know, if that's not bringing you joy, if it's just another thing that you have to get done, just don't do it. Let it fall off your plate. Find something more joyful to do. Find something to do that really matters. Find something that is going to make you feel like you're really living your life, not just trying to. Something that is going to allow you to come back to yourself and experience that fulfillment, that joy of living a life that is entirely suited to you. And figure out what those priorities are for yourself. It really shouldn't be more than a few things. And you can, you can do a bit of chunking, you know? So like, for example, I do a ton of creative stuff. I do this podcast, I do my blog, I do my ebook, I do my fiction. I mean, that's a lot, right? But I'm not sitting there every day with a to-do list checking shit off. All of that stuff is sort of in the category of creative practice. And then I have a rhythm that I've worked out over time. And the, the way that I did that is I added one thing at a time. So I started with just my blog. And when I got strong with that, and that practice was very strong, and I had the habit of it, then I added this podcast. And, you know, so you, you, you slowly work up to having more stuff in your life in a way that you don't have to have that to-do list. So I'm doing all these things, but I don't think about it because they're more or less all of them habits. And then the final part of this, I think, is, you know, after you've sort of let things fall off your plate, identified your priorities, done a bit of chunking, developed habits, the final piece of the puzzle is saying no, like a lot, most of the time. I read recently, and I don't remember who this was, but it was a successful artist and he was asked, you know, how how did you do it? How how do you maintain your your schedule and how do you arrange your life? And his answer was, I say I say no to almost everything. <laughs> and I loved that. I loved that. I think you'll find that by and large most people will respect you when you say no if you explain that you're doing this because it's it's about mental health. I mean, you don't, you don't really have to justify that. And it is about ma- mental health. That's the absolute truth. This is about living a joyful life, one that is conducive to your happiness so that you can be the best person you can be. You can be your best self. And that enables you to have enough juice in you to benefit others in the best way that you can, being who you are you know, in the in the ways that are specific to who you are and what you personally can offer and have to offer. But you really do have to assiduously guard these boundaries. You can do that in a loving and compassionate way towards yourself, towards others, but it's okay to have preferences and to communicate those. For example, here's a boundary that I have. I only can do kind of one 
big thing a week in a weekend. And not every weekend either. <laughs> and by big thing, I mean like a family outing or an afternoon barbecue or a shopping trip or something like this. And you all know that like I'm, you know, I have a pretty low bar for overwhelm. So I can handle much, much less than the average person uh, because of being an HSP and because of my history with uh, burnout and severe mental illness. So I have to be extra careful. But basically what I do is I communicate that, you know, to my parents. Okay, well, you, you want to do a bike ride this Sunday morning. That's fine. But then I can't do the family barbecue this weekend. <laughs> we'll have to do it the weekend after or, you know, whenever is convenient for them, but not the same weekend as the, the bike ride. It's just a preference. It's a personal, it's my, I have these preferences based on my knowledge of myself and what I can handle and I communicate those. And so we negotiate. So saying no doesn't have to look like, you know, you're just like, no. <laughs> it can look like that, definitely, but it doesn't have to. It can look more like a soft no. You say no to this, but you, you offer an alternative. That's what it can really look like. And so I think you'll find that none of the stuff I'm telling you today is really all that difficult. It's just a matter of understanding how it works and then putting it into practice and getting used to the different kinds of feelings that it's going to arouse in you. It might be difficult, you know, even to give someone a soft no, if you're not used to that, it might be difficult the first time, but you got to start somewhere, start with something really small, something really small that is going to improve your quality of life and, and your good feelings about your life in just a little small, tiny way. And you'll feel so proud of yourself. And you'll just feel, you'll feel, you, you know, you, empowered, like you'll feel your ability to access your own agency and to be your own advocate growing with each little thing you do. And you'll be able to over time with practice, everything is a practice, guys, like everything is a practice. You'll just get better and better at it. And you'll find better ways to do it too, ways that suit you and your own personality. So to sum it up, Instead of trying to find balance in life, what I do is try to identify what really matters and what contributes to my quality of life. And that's the stuff that, to the extent possible, I try to fill my my days and weeks with. And I let the other stuff kind of just fall off the plate. And sometimes, you know, I'll have a moment where I'll, I'll feel a surge of energy and I'll get one of those things done. I'll pick it back up again. But if I don't, it's okay, because I've learned to live with the feeling of not getting it all done and actually to find joy in that. And, and the reason I can find joy in it is because my life feels so much better this way. <laughs> so instead of like freaking out and stressing out about the stuff I'm not getting done, my life, the quality of my life has improved so much that I don't need to feel that way because I can so clearly see the benefits. I can feel the benefits in my day to day life. The final thing I want to say about this is that, like all systems, this is not a perfect system. So there's no such thing as like discovering the way and then everything's fine forever and ever. It's simply a system that I've found that works super, super well for me. And when I do have days where I feel overwhelmed by all the things, which do still happen to me despite all of these different uh, skills that I've developed... My response is always, what can I not do? And occasionally, that means that the must-do stuff also falls off the plate. And that's also an important skill to have, to be able to allow that to happen too, on occasion. 
Ultimately, there are very few things that we absolutely must do regardless, like feed our kids, right? (laughs) Or in my case, my animals. But when you really boil things down to the absolute essential stuff, there's, there's not a lot of it. And oftentimes when we let things slide, it helps us figure out what actually really does matter, what actually really does have to get done, which again, really isn't a lot. Okay, that's it for this episode. Hopefully there was something in there that is helpful or inspiring in some way. Remember, ultimately, this is about finding the system that works for you. But I would have you really ask yourself honestly, is the system you're using now really working for you? Is it? Is it really? That's the question I would want you to ask yourself. And if it's not, if you don't feel fulfilled and happy in your life, if you don't feel like you're really living it, if you do feel like you're living your life somehow at a distance, if you constantly feel overwhelmed and like balance eludes you, give something I said today a try in some small way and see what happens. Thanks as always for listening, for spending this time with me. I'll see you next Friday. 